Hello and welcome to episode 185 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Phelan. I'm your co-host, Joel Phelan. And on this episode, we're going to review two movies that came out recently. The first one is War Dogs, starring Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. And the second one is Hell or High Water, starring Chris Pine, Ben Foster, and Jeff Bridges. They have no connection to each other. Whatsoever. <laughs> but we are reviewing them. No, uh, War Dogs is probably be like the the main one to review. But then Hell or High Water was a highly acclaimed movie that came out a few weeks ago. And I talked about it f- briefly. But Joel had a chance to watch it. And we decided we'd expand upon it a little bit. Give it a full review treatment. Yeah. And to go along with that, we're going to be doing our top five Chris Pine movies. Oh, I guess, he was ooh, in more. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I know. But because it's getting close to Christmas and pine trees, is that what you... Those are Christmas trees, right? Yeah, sure. That's it. Chris Pine Trees, Christmas Time 5. But let's get to the first review of the week. War Dogs, like I said, starring Miles Teller and Jonah Hill, directed by Todd Phillips, who directed the Hangover movies, which you can immediately tell just from the look of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I like both those actors as well. Love Hangover. So I was pretty sold on this one. Yeah, well, I'll read the synopsis yeah. and then I'll get to my expectations. It is the story that is based on a true story of two young men, David Packholtz and Ephraim Diveroli, I'm sure I got those names perfect, who won a $300 million contract from the Pentagon to arm America's allies in Afghanistan. So, yeah, going in... The trailer did nothing for me. I uh, like the first Hangover okay, but I'm not a huge fan of it, and I do not like the sequels, so not a really a big fan of the director. I, I'm actually not a big fan of Miles Teller, despite loving... Uh, fuck I that. like Miles Teller a lot for some reason. I can't really tell you why, but... Sometimes I like him, sometimes I don't. Like, I... Loved him in uh, Whiplash, and I yeah, liked him in other movie. things, but I don't know. Just... Alpha Dog's the first one I really remember him from. I think I recognized him at that point already, but he's a pretty minor character in that movie. Yeah, that's true. But I obviously like Joan Hill. And... Yeah. And yeah, so I figured give it a shot. Based on a true story. Did you uh, did you have? I mean, this in... it's based on two guys really did get right, right, right. contract like that. They had no experience in anything. Yeah. Did you take this in the summer box office draft? I think so. Yeah, man, we were on a roll reviewing the movies you took that did not do well. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just on a roll of picking movies in the draft that suck. Yeah, I would say so. No, you do have Doctor Strange, which is doing you some good. But anyway, um, what did you think of War Dogs? It's uh, um, actually before I get into that interesting little side note, please. And uh, the Bill Murray movie that's not good that I like for some reason. Rock the Casbah. Rock the Kibosh. Rock These the guys Kasbah. are characters in that movie. Oh really? Yeah. Like the same like actors. Meets, it's not the same actors. I think it's actually Seth Rogen. 
and somebody else. But it's two young guys just like that that are like gunrunner type dudes that are like they are the same people. No doubt about it. Cool. I thought that was kind of weird when I saw them. <laughs> nice coincidence. Weird how that happens in Hollywood so much. Yeah, and if especially Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill playing similar. Yeah. Games. So weird. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I was actually kind of looking forward to seeing this movie, so I was more inclined to like. I don't know. You know how it is when you like want to like something. Yeah. Actually, you're pretty notorious for it. Or used to be. Yes, used to be, for sure. <laughs> Spider-Man 3 was amazing when I first saw it. Just how the, Bob used to be is if he bought a movie ticket to something, he was going like it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to justify that expense. That. You better believe it. <laughs> now he's more critical. Because I don't go to the movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm better at that. It is hard when... It is definitely easier to like a movie when you see it in theaters for that reason oh, alone for sure. that you're spending the money. But also it's like the perfect conditions for a movie. Exactly. So it's always easier watching a movie with other people in a way. Like, yeah, more like funny yeah. parts and actually oh, yeah. like laughing out loud. Especially comedies. Comedies are great with the crowd. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I... I don't think this movie's horrible, but it, it definitely kind of felt flat. Like, I felt like it, the premise of it, it could have been a pretty great movie. Like, it could have been funny. Agreed. And it just, it didn't really do anything exceptionally well. Yeah, I think we're uh, on lockstep here. I pretty much agree with everything you just said. Like, I think there is a pretty great movie here, uh, but it's not here. You know, it, it's not terrible, but it's it's very disappointing to be. Like, there was potential for sure. Especially, and it just makes you wonder, like, what exactly went wrong with it. Is it the writing? Is it how it was edited? Is it... Director... Acting isn't really bad, but it's not great either. Well, what I think it is for me is that, I mean, the story is the story. If Martin Scorsese directed this movie, it would be amazing. But Todd Phillips directed it, and he's a comedy director. And I do feel like this is supposed to be a comedy, first and foremost. And I, outside of Jonah Hill, who I actually thought was really good in that role, uh, it's not very funny at all. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I feel like they either should have went more like Scorsese, or they should have like doubled down on the comedy. I mean, they're already trying to make this The Wolf of Wall Street. Hardcore. Yeah, and it's... But it's never I mean, there near. are parts of this movie that I thought were pretty funny. Like, there are scenes that are I think that are good, that are actually kind of laugh. Yeah, there are definitely good scenes. Like I said, I think Jonah Hill is great. I wish he was in more of the movie. But um, unfortunately, it's one of those where I think all the good parts were in the trailers. Like, I don't remember. I don't know if I ever saw the trailer. Or if, I can't remember. I think we watched the trailer. We probably did. But like, I'm pretty sure the one scene when they're driving the truck and they get all shot. Oh and yeah, through, yeah, yeah. And they're like, "You made it through the triangle of death." They're That's like, right. Triangle of death, dude. Yeah, 
I feel like... And then the part when they get their contract and they're like, well, we couldn't turn it down. And they say how much they underbid them by. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I do remember the trailer now. Yeah, false advertising. <laughs> but... I love, like, I, I do want to say, Jaron Hill, his laugh is amazing in this movie. This high pitch. He's a pretty good, um, I mean, I don't... Slime ball? Whatever with spoilers in this movie. There's not really much to spoil, but no. he's kind of the bad guy. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I love... And I think he's pretty good at that. Yeah, actually. he really is. He really is. I love his delivery in a couple lines that I wrote down. Uh, there's this one scene where... Miles Taylor comes in and says, like, all serious, you'll hear from my lawyer, and gets up to walk away, and he's like, you'll hear from my lawyer? Who? Or, I'll hear from your lawyer? Who? Warren? He's my lawyer, too. I recommended him to you. <coughs> and then he, there's one point where he calls Miles Taylor, and they're talking for a while, and Miles Taylor's like, hey, Merry Christmas, by the way. He's like, It's Christmas? No wonder, no wonder nobody's here. I was about to fire the whole damn office. <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. But the way he... Sure, got, I think there's another scene in the movie where he freezes his birthday or something like that. <laughs> yeah. getting it mixed up. But, but it's yeah. been a little while since I've seen this one. Yeah. It's just the delivery. I don't know. Like, the character's pretty one note, but he's able to pull something out of it. And obviously, <laughs> he dedicated putting on some weight to fit this role, I guess. Yeah. He's a man, real. he's big. Yeah. Real. And just a year or two ago for Wolf of Wall Street he was skinny as shit. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I kinda hope he didn't put on the weight just for this role. And like part of me hopes he did just for the role and part of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, hope, hope he's I will right. say about Miles Teller, I know people like to hate on him. I don't really think his character not being great is really his fault in this movie. I kind of think he's, he's trying to kind of be the moral anchor of the two. And I think he was sort of just doing what he was supposed to do. But one way or the other, his character's definitely the least interesting. Yeah, for sure. I think he's best when he's playing kind of a dick. Yeah. And here he's like pretty much the straight man, and it's not very interesting. It's something about his like voice and delivery and all that is like that. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't know the actress that played his girlfriend, but I liked her. I thought she was charming. But the problem was, she served no purpose in this movie other than yeah. a plot device. She's like, the only, if she showed up, it was to advance the plot only like for his character. Which I could kind of see if it was supposed to be strictly from his point of view, but I don't think it was. I just think... Yeah. yeah, was not. It was like no character there. And again, um, the past, yeah. sorry, the last episode when we talked about "Don't Breathe" and how that movie started in media res, like from a scene in the middle of the movie. Same thing here. Uh, movie, yeah. movie starts off with Miles Teller getting a bag ripped off his head and a gun pointed to, to his head, and you don't know what's going on. And then goes back to the beginning, which is obviously we've talked about is a trend that is going on. I will say this though, I think it fit this movie a lot more than it did um, the previous 
Don't it, breathe. No, I, I'm not trying to really praise it, but I just think it, it makes I do agree. more sense with the story. I do agree. It does make more sense here than there, but still, it didn't really add anything. Yeah, like, because that movie, uh, Don't Breathe, it's more like, kind of spoils it a little bit. Yeah. And in this one, it's more like, here's the story of how we got here. Right, yeah. Don't think it was necessary, but it didn't detract either. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, again, Jonas Hill's character, I think he would be great on Big Brother or Survivor. Just because he's really good at telling people what they want to hear and manipulating them to do what he wants. Yeah. So, represent, respect. Yeah, I gotta, I don't really have much else to say about this one. I got some stuff. I feel like there was almost no character building. No. Like, these guys were pretty much one-note blank slates. Uh, it was all plot. You know, the whole thing is just plot, plot, plot. Point A to point B to point C. Now, it felt too long. I feel like if this was 20 minutes shorter, it might have been better. Um, it's about greed, corruption... Bad people taking advantage of laws. It's like there's, like we said, there's definitely good themes here. I would almost like to see this story retold some other way. Right. It's yeah. like that interesting, but this one really didn't live up to what it could have been. Yeah, the ending was kind of uh, ambiguous or ambiguous. I always say that word wrong. Ambig ambiguous. Um, didn't really leave much of an impression on me. No, nah, me, me either. What'd you think of Bradley Cooper's character? I didn't know. Oh, he yeah. was, I didn't know he was in the movie. I forgot he was in the movie. To be completely honest with you. <laughs> I guess he didn't leave much of a mark. Yeah, I do remember I liked him in the movie, but like, uh, this is probably of all the. The movies we've been reviewing, the one I've saw the longest ago. Okay, yeah. thought he was decent. He was Bradley Cooper, you know? Yeah, exactly. Sort of reminded me of um, Joy a little bit, tiny bit. Yeah, yep. Uh, apparently this was based on a Rolling Stone article. And originally, the, two, the people who were supposed to play the two leads, Jesse Eisenberg and Shia LaBeouf. I don't. Nothing against them, but I. This movie, I couldn't see them in. I could see Shia LaBeouf in the Miles Teller role. I think he'd be better at it, actually. And I, I could agree with you there. And actually, even Eisenberg, I think, would be like either one of those two. I think I could see in the Miles Teller role. I just, I don't know. It's not that I couldn't see them. Just for how this movie was made. And maybe it was made this way because of the people they did have. But, again, I I wouldn't mind the comedy part. But, I mean, all Scorsese films are funny, too. Right, but they have a strong, dramatic, like, backbone to build off of that. Yeah. And, like, the comedy's the muscles that bind the bones together. So our conclusion is that Scorsese should have made this. Scorsese should make every movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> it will be better. 
<laughs> yeah, but it got fifty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is better than I thought it got. But I could see it. Yeah, I give yeah, it's it, about on par. I give it a five and a half out of ten. Yeah, I'm dead on with you. Five yeah. and a half. Yeah, I mean, I could see people liking it a little bit more than that, and I could see people hating it. Yeah, if, I, if someone told me they liked this movie, it's not something where I'd be like. I wouldn't kidding? be shocked. Are you serious? I'd be like, yeah, I can understand it. And yeah. if someone hated it, absolutely hated it, I can understand that too. <sighs> but let's get on to the second review of the episode. Hell or High Water, directed by David McKenzie, starring Chris Pine, Ben Foster, and Jeff Bridges. The synopsis is, a divorced father and his ex-con older brother resort to a desperate scheme in order to save their family's ranch in West Texas. Now, this was a movie that got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, really? And yeah, it came out, I believe, in early summer. I want to say May or June. And it's really kind of stuck. Like It's on a lot of people's top 10 lists that have been coming out. I hear that it's in... like possible awards contention in some categories so it's really you know took uh stuck the test of time uh as we come down the home stretch here i remember i talked about it a few episodes back and said how much i did like it so people know i liked it what what did you think i i really enjoyed it um it's kind of a strange movie to me though because in a way, I think they did pretty much everything perfectly in the movie, but I didn't like it as much as it was well executed. Like, I got when I say it like that, it sounds like I didn't like it that much. I did very much enjoy it, but ninety-eight percent really yeah, that surprises a, me. That does that surprises me too. As even as much as I did like it, uh, I loved all the actors. I think by far that's really what made the movie good. Um, yeah, the acting is great. The acting's great. Um, I love when uh, Jeff Daniels. Bridges. Jeff Bridges, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I love the character. He, he's basically playing the guy from True Grit. Yep. Voice-wise and all. You know, see, I feel like he was inconsistent. There were scenes in this movie where I thought he was excellent. And then there was times when it came off came off a little cartoony and like he was out of a different movie. I don't disagree with that, but I just... I think he reminds me of my stepdad so much when he talks like that. <laughs> Bird? Yeah. <laughs> that like gravelly voice. It's definitely a lot more gravelly and kind of cartoony than... He is, but yeah, especially since like in True Grit, he's playing John Wayne. Right, right. That's, uh, his like, that's his dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, for what it is, I liked his character. Yeah, I uh, liked his character. Too. I think I liked him more towards the end than I did in the beginning. Yeah, I think I agree. I like um, that it's kind of a different angle. You know, usually it's. One last job. I'm going to retire, but I guess I'll do one last job. This is like they're forcing him to retire, but he loves what he does and he doesn't want to stop. Yeah. So it's a little I, bit. I like the dialogue between him and his partner. 
basically just him making fun of him for being an Indian. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do like, he eventually says to him, he's like, you know, when I'm gone, what you're going to remember me by is you're going to miss me busting your chops. Yeah. But this, this, and that. Yeah, there's a lot of really good, subtle character work here. Yeah, and and to stay on topic with him, like, I like... Um, I like how he's not the stereotypical good guy. Like, like, he doesn't even necessarily see these guys as, like, true bad guys, at least. I mean, he's still going to do his job. But he's sort of like, look at... Like, what happens to these people out in these parts, and how tough it, and this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, like, logical. And I like when these, like, cops versus robber-type movies do something like that, where it's not necessarily, like, good and evil. And right. Right. I guess yeah, there is yeah. right and wrong. But. Certainly is right and wrong, but, yeah, good and evil? No way. Like, these guys that he's going after are the brothers, played by Chris Pine and Ben Foster, and... Just like in Don't Breathe that we talked about last episode where, you know, these kids are stealing money, but you can kind of see why they're desperate to get money as quickly and easily as possible to get out of a shitty situation. It's kind of similar here where, I mean, the family ranch, like they're going to basically be homeless and lose all these memories, so they don't want that to happen. They're going to do whatever it takes to, you know, keep on... uh, Keep on keeping on the way they've existed. Yeah, and, and I, also I like his um how he analyzes the people, how he has it pretty well on. Like this guy's a cowboy, and this guy's probably the one who thought of it because he doesn't seem like he's the criminal, quote unquote. But I just liked how every time he thought he was like this stereotypical old timer from Texas, like like when he keeps running into like those mobs of people, he always says like nope going to do this the right way like, right right cops gotta bring them in like it's not mob justice and i, I thought that was interesting because yeah. they could have easily just kind of like rolled with that but. for sure but as much as i talk about him the other guys are awesome too yeah uh what's the other actor's name ben foster ben foster yeah i really like him in pretty much everything that he's in yeah i mean he's Always playing these wackos, you know, like these off-the-rails chaos theory guys, you know what I mean? You know what, though? He's good at doing it. Yeah, absolutely. He absolutely is. Just like Paul Dano is good at playing weirdos and wackos, too. But But what I like, I mean, I'm personally a sucker for, and going back to the last episode, it's probably why I like the Black Donnellys, but I have two brothers, and we have all these cousins that are basically like our brothers in a way. Yeah. Kind of a sucker for that. Absolutely. I guess I can relate to that a lot. Like, yeah, especially these guys. You would do anything. Yeah, they're definitely on each other's teams, but they're also giving each other shit. It seems like, uh, yeah, you can definitely see the antagonistic relationship between them as well. And I thought Chris Pine was the best performance of the bunch. Uh, this, I think, was... One of his best performances of his career. I agree with you. It was Just, subtle, but... I mean, don't get me wrong. 
Ben Foster and Jeff Bridges are both good too, but they're doing things that they've done a lot. Whereas Chris Pine, he's never played this kind of character before. Like usually he's the clean cut, good looking, you know, pure yeah. pure good guy, and uh, or a cartoonish villain like he was in Into the Woods, I believe. But um, yeah, I just I thought he was great, and I just like how the movie everything felt natural. It almost like I don't know. It, it, to me, it felt like a Jeff Nichols film. Who's I've said it before, one of my favorite directors who did Mud and Take Shelter. Um, it just, he's, I love the way his movies feel and look, and I kind of got that vibe here as well. Yeah. It just, love the way it's shot. It's kind of grimy, gritty, but still looks good at the same time. And this director, David McKenzie, he directed Start Up in 2014 which was made my top 10 list that year. It was a British prison movie with um, Jack O'Connell and the guy from Bloodline. Um, but I'm really starting to like this guy, too. Like he He's a guy to watch, director to watch. That's This two in a row now that have been very good. Yeah, um, I mean, even though he had three great actors... Um... There wasn't a whole lot to work with in this movie, and he did a lot with, I don't know, it was sort of a reminiscent of the area they were in. It was sort of beaten down and dry. and Yeah. Like some of the shots where they're sitting by that, tr- they're beaten down truck, and there's like a, a windmill in the background. Like, that's some pretty iconic imagery. And the other thing I think he did really good is the only thing going into this movie I wasn't sure about is, you know, like, we're not from the South. Or, I guess, I guess Texas is the South. Southwest, whatever you want to call it. Certainly is Southern. I, and they just sort of have a different way of life and all. I just really didn't think I was going to be able to, like, connect with that. Right. And I did. Yeah. Like, I understood where everyone was kind of coming from. I don't know, it, it was... Very nicely done, I thought, direction-wise. I agree. Even a city slicker like you could relate. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... It's strange, because I'm a kind of antisocial person, but I like being around people. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so this is a Western heist thriller, which is... Like, Westerns have been... And it's almost like a modern Western. It's not like... Yeah, some, it's like, like cowboys a, or anything right. like that. But it has that vibe to it, and it seems like that's really been making a big comeback the last couple of years. It just seems like there's at least one every other month. Nowadays. Yeah, for sure. And I kind of like it. I like the vibe, you know. It's more... And I, I do like how they... Like, this has been shown a little more in, like, like the areas like Detroit and, like, the Rust Belt where the industry left and all that, and it's real tough to make it. I did think it was cool how they showed how the, the cattle ranchers and all, like, like, the one scene where they're kind of going from the fire and the guy's talking about, like, i got to get up and do this every morning, and I, for some reason I can't get my kids to... I guess that's what you do. You pass the farm down to your kids. And, right, right. And for some reason my kids don't want to do this, like, sarcastically. Yeah, for some reason. 
it, it, I don't know. It was just, I liked all that. I agree. I agree. It's like working class is being pitted against each other by capitalism. You know. Very the, nicely put. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I mean, even Jeff Bridges' character, he's still working class. Like, both of these guys, you know, everyone involved is almost still on the same page as far as their day-to-day and what they're aiming for, but... They're... Yeah, he's not on a high horse. They're like, just, you would, yeah. would stereotypically put a character like him. Yeah. It's like this economy is so bad, like, the links you have to go to to make ends meet. But, I don't know, I just... This whole movie, it's all about, like, the little things. Like, when they're in the restaurant, and there's that, like, old lady waitress. Yeah, yeah. I take your order, and then they, like, say whatever, and she's like, two steaks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, like, they, he injects some humor in here. Like, I was not expecting this movie to be as funny as it was. No, yeah, I it's totally not, agree. It's not a comedy, but, I mean, it's definitely funnier... Like, there's a scene in the bar when Ben Foster's character, he's just being a dick to some girl, right? And then, uh, I guess, uh, Chris Pine's character has to come come by and kind of pull him away. And he's like, I can't believe you've managed to stay out of jail as long as you have. I can't remember what Ben Foster's character said, but I like I thought he was going to get in a fight with his brother, but he says something funny and <laughs> kind of just, you know, goes about their business. Yeah. There's little things like that that go a long way in a yeah, movie like this. Stuff like that kind of made me believe they were like brothers. Yeah. Like, like uh, without really spoiling it, like the last scene where they see each other, it's kind of heavy. Yep. And he goes, hey, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you too. And I could just, I could see me saying that, like one of my brothers or something like that. You know what I mean? But Yeah, the generous... It's pretty funny that that exchange could like make you emotional. Like, yeah, yeah it was like heartfelt. Right. You know, they're, you know. Exactly. And speaking of, like, though, I feel like the the climax of this movie is awesome. Yeah. Thrilling climactic shootout and, uh, yeah, just all like the violence in general for this kind of movie. It's there's not much violence here, but when it is, it's freaking it's kind of brutal. It is yeah, very cool. brutal. It's used sparingly, but man, it it does make an impact. It's, which I, I like that a lot. Like even a lesser extent, when these guys are just getting gas at a gas station, and some punk kids roll up on them and are talking trash, and Ben Foster's just like kind of letting him do talk as much trash as he wants, and then Chris Pine <laughs> comes out of nowhere and like slams his head against the door and is just punching him out. Like you could feel it. Yeah. And then turn that up to 11 when the shootout happens. What did you think about the ending? It's probably my least favorite part of the movie. Or one of them. Yeah, because like on paper I can see how that's awesome. But it's not even like ambiguous or whatever. It just seemed a little unnecessary. Yeah, it definitely was because it doesn't really apply anything and like yeah. I said it's cool on paper in a way right like acknowledging 
Yeah, I, I do actually like, like Chris Pine in it. Yeah, I agree. How he handles it and whatnot, but yeah, I don't know. It just seemed tacked on. And I do kind of like how uh, Bridges sort of accepts why he did it, but sort of is like, "You're still going to pay." Right, right, right. Like he's on board. He's like, "Oh, your kids." Sort of gets that, but other than that, it, uh, yeah, I think it was a little unnecessary. Yeah, but it didn't really affect. It just almost like the shallows, like that ending was kind of ridiculous or unnecessary too. And again, didn't really affect my enjoyment of the whole movie. Just because there was all, it seemed like the movie had already ended. And this was kind of just yeah. like a prologue or yeah, whatever. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel the same way. I sort of made my mind up about the movie at that point. Exactly. Really... Yeah. Like some endings, a movie can hinge a little bit on it. But yeah, like you said, I already kind of made up my mind before that. And last thing I would say is if War Dogs was a wannabe Wolf of Wall Street, Hell or High Water was a poor man's version of no country for old men if you take see that if you take out the anton sugar character you know yeah yeah uh, yeah actually now that you say it i i do get did get vibes out like tommy lee jones and right and jeff bridges and and i guess like chris pine could be the josh brolin character like there's definitely parallels i'm sure it was kind of an inspiration yeah, well, that's the cool thing about any kind of art is it's all. No one's really original, right? I mean, do it. Yep. It's just some people do things well and some people don't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think right now this movie's like in my ten to fifteen range for the year. It probably won't end up that high, but I, I really, really yeah. Like if it, it makes my top ten, it'd be ten. Right. Yeah. But certainly, we'll I would recommend it to anyone that likes westerns, that likes, you know, character-driven stories. Yeah, I would, I'd recommend this to most anyone. Yeah. I give it a light 8.5 out of 10. I, not to undercut you, but <laughs> I, I give it an 8. I was you between 7.5 and, and 8. You just had to do it. It's a light eight. <laughs> yeah, that's respectable. For sure. That's a, more out of respect. I think it's more of a seven and a half, but I respect this movie so much. I want to see it again. Yeah, I would certainly watch it if it was on HBO or something. Oh, for sure. But yeah, so this was Chris Pine's high watermark as far as acting ability goes, as far as we are concerned. What do you think of him as an actor in general? I, I know you said you thought you'd seen more movies of his, or he, that even if he'd been in more movies than he has. And I, yeah, I guess I agree. he's just so kind of ingrained in popular culture and stuff that I I know of him so much. But right, yeah, I mean he hasn't been in a ton. I do like I do like his on screen presence. I do too. I, he's not in the best movies mm-hmm. all the time, but. And He's I, one of those guys, not necessarily like Zach Efron, but yeah. But I know what you mean. Like, I don't think he's a great actor, but he's a good presence. Like I said, yeah, it's I don't just know. something about him. Yeah, like seeing him on screen. 
They're never like thinking, oh, not Chris Pine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, I guess I'll start it off with my number five. Um, my actual number five, I moved to honorable mentions for reasons that will be found out soon enough. But for now, my number five is Unstoppable. This is the movie he was in with Denzel Washington where they're like train conductors or work on a train. I can't remember exactly their job title, but something happens where a train gets out of, out of control, like run off on its own, and it's going to crash into something if they don't stop it in time. Pretty basic thriller, but it's really well made. It's really well done, and both performances by the Chris Pine and Denzel Washington were, were really good. Yeah, it's actually my number five, but it's been so long since I've seen it, I wanted to let you explain it. <laughs> yeah. This I get, uh, seriously, I really do get all of Denzel's movies like mixed up in my head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most of them, besides like the obvious like Training Day or something like that. But This was directed by Tony Scott, who is Ridley Scott's brother, and I think he committed suicide a few years ago. But he di- he directed True Romance. Like he he's a really good, like, thriller director. You know he did these kind of movies really well, and this was certainly better than it had any right to be. <laughs> huh. In my opinion, I remember it doing well or whatever when it came out. Yeah, I'm well like, Denzel. <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's an easy draw for good reason. But. Alright, so that was your number five, so I guess I'll go to my number four. Yeah. My number four is a movie we reviewed, was it earlier this year, or maybe it was last year, but Z for Zachariah. Um, Honorable mention. Nice. With Margot Robbie and Chiwetel Ejiofor, where it's a post-apocalyptic world, and Margot Robbie owns this farm where, for whatever reason, this poisonous atmosphere could not get to it's like a little safe haven and she would tell edgy character rolls up there into her business one day they kind of start making a life and then chris pine's character shows up out of nowhere about halfway through when we reviewed it i said he was my least favorite part of the movie and he still is but i mean it's not necessarily his fault it's just that i was really enjoying where the movie was at before yeah. before he showed up but it's just a solid indie movie like there's been a lot of attempts at a post-apocalyptic world and it can can kind of get stale sometimes but i felt like this movie did enough new things or different things came up with some cool ideas that uh is good enough to be my number four on this list i i can see that i mean it was pretty close to making my list i guess but um my number four is Finest Hours. Is it Finest Hour or Finest Hours? Can't remember. The Finest Four Hour, I think. <laughs> One of those. Yeah. Well, whatever. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> no, tomato, tomato. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like this movie more than I should for some reason. Like I, it's cheesy or whatever, but I. I'm a sucker for a true story. It's uh, considered one of the greatest saves by the Coast Guard ever. Mm-hmm. And I, I really liked Chris Pine in this movie. Um, 
He is sort of like that really good guy. But I thought it was different enough that I enjoyed it. Like, he was like the good guy, but he wasn't a very confident person. Yeah. Which is kind of atypical for something like that. And I, I thought, I liked the time period and the fact that, like, he didn't even have enough confidence to really, like, ask his girlfriend. His girlfriend proposes to him, and this is, like, in the 50s or something like that. It's a bunch of grief from people. Everyone agrees that he's a great person, but people still just sort of like shit on him. And I think that's, it ends up kind of being what drives him to, like, actually go out try to save this tanker that's chopped in half. And who else is in Casey Affleck? Yeah, Casey Affleck. Go figure, Massachusetts movie with Casey Affleck in it. Yeah, go figure. But uh, I thought he was pretty good in the movie as well. Uh, He didn't really have to do all that much, but nobody really does in this movie, but... It's still enjoyable. It, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, it feels like a throwback. It's it's an easy watch. It's a charming little movie. I thought it was a little too glossy for me, but definitely, you know, not a bad movie yeah, at all. Yeah, I can see that. But, I mean, the way I, I sort of put it up against uh, The Perfect Storm, and it's better. Than, a lot better of a movie than that is. It is a better movie, but... The perfect story. I really, really hate that. I don't know how I ever liked that movie. Yeah, I know. I know. But. It is certainly a better movie than The Perfect Storm, but if you would have told me that three years ago, I would have punched you in the face. Yeah. I, I also, I like the kind of like love story aspect of it a whole lot more than most movies do it. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. Fair, fair enough. My number three is Star Trek Into Darkness. Um... My number three is Star Trek as well, but I just put Star Trek. The first one? Yeah. All right, yeah. See, Star Trek Beyond was probably my real number five, but I did not want to have three Star Trek movies on my top five, so I kind of knocked it down a pig. But uh, spoiler alert, I will have another Star Trek movie on here. But Star Trek Into Darkness, I think, is a movie that gets a lot of crap, despite being a really good blockbuster movie. And... Yeah, I don't like it as much as the first one, and I think it kind of falls into a lot of traps that many sequels to a successful first movie in a franchise tend to, but still a very enjoyable movie for me. Yeah, uh, what I liked about the first Star Trek was this is prior to Star Wars coming out. And if J.J. Abrams using the CGI with practical, not so much practical effects, but he actually used like real sets or actually shot like in the desert and stuff like that, rather than all of it being CGI'd. And I really liked the look and feel and that. And I just really didn't like Star Trek that much. And I thought it was more relatable and the best way they could have done it. Completely agree. Spoiler alert, it's my number one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I, I really like that first movie. It's very Star Wars feel to it, because I get, like you, I not was not a big Star Trek guy uh, until 
I saw this movie. I always felt like Star Trek was a little too like vanilla for me. Yeah, a little or dull. Whatever. But some people say it's a lot deeper. I don't know. Whatever. But and, if you like it, then and again, good for you. like I said, I think I'm sure I have. Uh, it's I think I might have been too young, or or maybe too stupid at the time to really get it. Maybe if I watched it now, I would like it a lot more. But I, I don't. Know, I just remember thinking it was boring. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, so. My number two is Hell or High Water. So that's my entire top five. My number one is Hell or High Water. Okay. My number two is different, though. Let's hear it. Might be surprised. Into the Woods. Get the fuck out of here. No. Swear to God, dude. <laughs> no, I believe you. I kind of had, <laughs> had a this feeling. This is a movie that... This is early on, me joining the podcast and i was dreading watching this movie because it was a musical yeah and i tried to watch it like three or four times and i think i finally like sucked it up and watched it like the whole thing from beginning to end like the morning before we record it and i ended up liking it but i i like it more as time's gone as time has gone by for some reason Mm -hmm. like i i like the mashup and I don't know. I don't like musicals all that much, but something about this one. I don't know. Yeah. Something I, about this movie I really like. I can't quite put my finger on it. It was definitely better than I expected it to be. I saw it in theaters with my daughter. I mean, this is a musical live action, live action musical that's over two hours long. And I saw it with a three year old and she watched the entire thing. And I, we were both entertained. So. And I was surprised how like, it's very family friendly, but it's sort of dark for fairy tale. It's not like real, real overbearingly dark, but it's sort of like I could see me as a kid being somewhat scared of it. But I mean, to be completely honest, I was terrified of the Little Mermaid, and I watched that over and over and over again as a little <laughs> kid. So I mean, maybe I'm just weird, but. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Ursula, man. Yeah. She Scary is, bitch. She is certainly horrifying. My stepsister still makes fun of me about that to this day. <laughs> watch it all the time. I, was, I never would watch the whole thing because I'd be so scared of her. <laughs> it's a good movie. Yeah. All but right. Hell or High Water was great. I thought it was his best movie overall. Yeah, Definitely. And Chris Pine was good in Into the Woods. Yeah, didn't yeah he would. He was like Prince Charming, right? Yeah, yeah. Or his, yeah, because what his brother was like the kind of evil one. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. He had good intentions, but <laughs> yeah. Um. So I have real quick some what else I watched for this episode. It is the Christmas season. I do have kids, so we watch Christmas movies to get into Christmas spirit. So I want to talk about some Christmas movies that I've been watching. Always right. watch, like every year it seems like we watch The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Good one. It's a classic. I do. I think it's pretty good, actually. Actually, I think that one's actually gotten a little bit better with time. I remember not, like, loving it when I was younger. I think yeah. I would watch it, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I didn't think it was, like, a Christmas classic, but... 
Agreed. It is. I agree. 100%. I like it more now than I ever did as a kid. And um, I even I watched the second one, too. And even that one's okay. I I really like um, the the blonde chick that plays his uh, Mrs. Claus. Yeah, it's been a while for me. I can't remember. <laughs> Come on, picture it. No, uh, yeah, it's a it's a pretty good franchise. Also watched the new <laughs> new '90s Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I never really watched the old one because, to be completely honest, watching these old movies depressed the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Black and white snow. Yeah, I don't know something about it. Yeah. But Every time a bell rings, an angel gets their wings. <laughs> Is that... Uh, I don't know if that's the right movie, but that depresses me. Uh, isn't that um, It's a Wonderful Life? It doesn't matter. That Not movie's, to me, it doesn't. <laughs> that movie is awesome. <laughs> but uh, Miracle on 34th Street, actually I'd never seen it. At least all the way through. Yeah, I, I guarantee you we've seen like the first ten or so minutes of yeah. all of them. Oh, yeah. Grandma and all that. <laughs> but it was on Netflix, so we watched it with my daughter. and It's okay. It's basically about... A cynical family, a mom who teaches her kid that Santa Claus isn't real, which when this movie's going and they keep talking about how Santa Claus isn't real, I'm like, oh, Jesus, (laughs) I've picked a bad one with this five-year-old who does believe. But then the whole moral of the story is that the actual Santa Claus shows up and kind of takes a job as the Santa Claus for this store, department store, and... Just it turns out like there's a whole court case where is he the real Santa Claus? Oh uh, yeah, I remember that movie now. It's good moral to the story. It's got the guy that played the old guy in Jurassic Park as Santa Claus, and yeah. But <laughs> I was hoping that Mackenzie would stay awake for the whole movie so she could see that the end result was that yeah, Santa Claus is real, but she fell asleep halfway through. And. But I made sure to tell her the whole time, like, that's the real Santa Claus. <laughs> so, you know, I think it'll be all right. <laughs> also watched a Christmas movie that I had never seen before again. Christmas with the Cranks. This is, uh, I've heard of it. It's like 2004, I think it came out. Uh, it's also got Tim Allen in it. it. has a guy who's fed up with the commercialization of Christmas. So he's not. They're not going to celebrate it this year, but then his daughter decides to come home from college. So at the last minute, he's got to get the Christmas spirit going. If Sounds the, good. If the Santa Claus is a Tim Allen Christmas classic, this is certainly not. <laughs> it's not very good at all. Um, I do. I just think Tim Allen's a likable guy, but overall, the movie's not so good. Actually thought this was an Eddie Murphy movie for some reason. Huh. <laughs> like, what is that uh, Dr. Doolittle spinoff or whatever? Isn't it the... Oh, is that the Clumps? I mean, I, I can envision what you're saying. Is that the Clumps? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. that. For That's probably why I thought this was an Eddie Murphy joint, but it wasn't. And the Sweet. Last... <laughs> 
the last Christmas movie I watched was a classic. I know you've seen this one. It's Turbo Man. Jingle. Oh all my God! I just saw an amazing meme about that today. <laughs> Jingle all the way with Arnold and Sinbad. Sinbad plays a mailman. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> what an embarrassment to my profession. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just, this movie, I, I never remember liking this movie. I hated it when I was... I, I don't know if I hated it, but I didn't like it as a kid. I thought badly of it, but then... It's kind of... Like, it's still not a good movie. But I was... Me and Sam just kept looking at each other and laughing just because of the expressions and the overacting of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, the thing I saw about it was, like, the remake of this movie's coming out. I need to get the action man or whatever. Pre-order on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Movie over. <laughs> yeah. Right. Turbo Man. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but it's worth it for Arnold to learn. He has some great facial acting. Yeah. Let's do... We got one trailer to talk about. Uh, Pre-Judgment Day. Uh, we were recording this a week ago, so this literally just dropped. We paused the podcast so we could check this out. Spider-Man Homecoming dropped its first trailer. And gotta say... Nailed it. Amazing. Yeah. This... Amazing Spider-Man. I might be more excited about this than Guardians, almost. Well, you know I am, just because I'm Spider-Man fiend. Oh, he's, yeah, yours. He's, he's my guy. I'm actually contemplating getting a Spider-Man tattoo on my arm. So, you know, this is my jam. Um, yeah, I think the Tom Holland is a great Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. I love the humor in the scene where he's stopping the Avengers thieves. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I knew you guys weren't the real Avengers. Yeah, great stuff. Um, action looks awesome. I love that Tony Stark is in it. Um, you know, adds continuity. Plus, um, he's hilarious as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't do anything I would do. Don't do anything I did. <laughs> would do. Gray yeah. area. Uh, I wasn't going in for a hug. I was just trying to get to the door. But, yeah, so, and, um, what's his fucking face? Uh, Michael Keaton is the vulture. Yeah. I kind of, I don't know if I love the design of the vulture's outfit. I wish it was kind of had his face exposed like in the comic book, but I guess that wouldn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. But I think it's awesome that he's playing that character, though. From Bir- from Birdman to Birdman. <laughs> And uh, I, another thing I'm not sure about, it, like the final shot with him holding a boat that's put in two with the webbing, reminded me a little too much of Spider-Man 2 when he's holding the train back. Yeah. But it is an iconic shot. And uh, Kind of cool. I, that's the, uh, the, when I was up in New York, the ferry I was on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it gets from Staten Island to Manhattan. It looks like the same one, at least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they are massive, massive boats. So I've never been on <laughs> huge. It's crazy. Well, not like a cruise ship, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think Spider-Man: Homecoming might be my number one. No, well, maybe it's either number one or number two most anticipated movie for next year. 
Yeah, this looks really, really good. Um, who's the girl, though? Like, is she supposed to be Mary Jane, or is she supposed to be I think, her own person? I think the one that said, you guys are losers, is supposed to be Mary Jane. Uh. So, I kind of like that twist. You know, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I was just curious. Yeah, I don't know if, like, if Zara Gwen Stacy here, I, th- I don't know if they... Well, go. that's sort of what I was thinking as well. I couldn't remember what her name was, but... But I feel like they just did that. Right, yeah. That's... You gotta go a little different. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think... I'll give it a 9 out of 10. Fuck it. Yeah, I'll give it a 9 out of 10, too. Um, the only movie that can... Reminds rival- me of the cartoon, which is... I love. Yeah, I like that it's a high school coming of age movie at the same time. Looks funny. Looks like uh, <laughs> like even his friend seems pretty funny. I like the whole thing with his best friend or whatever. Where he <laughs> catches I'm, no, I'm not him. It's you were on a, the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, you were crawling on the ceiling. <laughs> That's pretty good. But yeah, the only movie I think that could rival it is Star Wars Episode Eight. Ooh. Which I forgot was coming out next year for a minute. Yeah, I didn't think of that, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I'd rather Spider-Man's like a summer movie, though. Yeah, I think it comes out in July. I think that's yeah. what it said, yeah. More like a summer movie. For sure. Yeah, I guess it's between that and Guardians, though. Like, man, what a summer next year could be. I hope so. It's Last summer kind of sucked. Yeah. Definitely, we. It can't be much worse. Yeah, 2016, man. Let's get it over with. I agree. Speaking of which, we got our fourth annual Redbox Awards coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah. But first, we will be reviewing Sully and the Magnificent Seven in the next week or two. But then after that, it's the end of the year. It's the new year, and we're gonna, you know, name our nominees and winners for. The 17 categories or so that we do every year, and uh should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'm excited about both, actually. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I'm just excited. I'm just ex- excited. <laughs> I'm excited for Christmas to get here so that my work will die down. <laughs> Love Christmas, but man, that lead up is pretty brutal. Yeah. I think everyone is, whether they say it or not, pretty ready for Christmas to be over by the time it gets there. Yeah. Christmas is always nice. but For sure. I've always felt like, I like Christmas Eve a lot. I think Christmas Day is sort of anticlimactic. Yeah, it kind of is a little bit. But Christmas yeah. Eve is that energy to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I feel like that with all holidays. Even though I love Thanksgiving and all, but going over this person, that person's house, and yeah, it was f- it's always a lot of work. Yeah. It's like the day after Christmas is always a letdown too, right? Yeah. All that excitement for the last two days, and then it's literally just, boom, back to normal. Yeah. It's like Christmas should be a two-day thing. Yeah. But. <laughs> Agreed. But, yeah, so happy holidays to everyone out there. Um, you can shoot us an email, theredboxsupportyahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter, at the Redbox Support. 
I'm, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Redbox reporter. Hard cut. Yeah, I'm first this time. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I'm at the Oriole Report. Oh, I forgot to mention in the last episode, but I'll mention it now. Go gliding in the one horse sleigh. Giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet. Jingle around the clock. Mix and a mingle in the jingling feet. That's the jingle bell rock. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell chime and jingle bell time. Jingle around 